Well, hey guys, I'm so excited to be here today and to be here in person with you guys who are here. And for those of you who are gathered online with us, thanks for being with us today. I'm Hillary. Uh, I, just like Craig said, I'm on the preaching team. We have a lot of new faces here. Um, so I know some people here, but I don't know everybody. If I haven't met you yet, I'll be kind of lingering around and I'll be at the Sunday lunch. Please come introduce yourself to me. I'd love to meet you. Um, and thanks for coming to Hope today. So just like Craig said, we are in our sermon series, Simply Jesus, where we are looking at the different I am statements that Jesus makes in the book of John. And today we're going to be looking at one of the more well-known statements that Jesus said. And it is that I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we're going to open up to John chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, feel free to turn to that right now. We're going to be reading from verses 1 through 11. If you don't have your Bibles, no worries. The verses are going to be on the screen. So I'm going to read that for us right now as we begin. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. This is the reading of God's word. Okay, so let's start by saying there's a lot happening in that text, right? Um, but I want us to just focus on the interactions between the two groups of kind of characters there. On one end, we have Jesus, right? And then we have the disciples. And I think when we look at the interactions, we're going to see that this is a pretty relatable conversation. Um, so to give some context, before John 14, Jesus told the disciples that he wasn't going to be with them for much longer, that he was going away and that they could not come with him. So he was leaving them and they couldn't come. And in John 14, Jesus starts by saying that the disciples are troubled, right? So we can infer that they were pretty distressed by this news, which kind of relatable, right? This guy that they had left everything for, that they'd been following for the last three years, seemingly all of a sudden to the disciples says, hey, I'm not going to be with you guys any longer and sorry, but you can't come with me anymore. And so understandably, the disciples maybe feel a little bit bamboozled, they have some questions. They want some answers. I think that's pretty relatable, right, to find out from news like that. But I think we need to dig deeper into this because the thing about this text and really so many of the interactions that Jesus has with the people in the Bible show us that Jesus always gives us some sort of insight into a deeper meaning that we can learn from. And we can see this in verses 5 to 9 that we read. So just before those verses, in verses 
1 through 4, Jesus was telling them that he's going to the Father's house and he's going to prepare a room for them, but that they can't come, right? So it's in verses 5 to 9 that the disciples ask two questions. How can we know the way to the Father's house? And will you show us the Father? So you see in these two questions, really what the disciples are asking about and what they mean by the Father's house is eternal life. They're asking about heaven. And so to simplify and really summarize those two questions down into one for us to think through and talk about today, what they were asking for is, how can we find eternal life? And really, the way that they were asking those questions and their posture, they were asking for like a set of instructions. Okay, tell us how to get to heaven. How can we find the Father? Just give us some steps. We want to follow those steps, right? Also pretty relatable. But lucky for the disciples and lucky for us, Jesus never settles for answering the surface-level questions. He always cuts deeper and answers to a deeper longing that the disciples or the people he was interacting with maybe didn't even know that they had. We can see this all throughout all four, four Gospels. And this is happening today in this text too. So Jesus doesn't answer their questions exactly, and he definitely doesn't answer in the way that they thought they were going to be answered. And he cuts right to a deeper longing for these disciples. And that deeper longing was for a meaningful life, one that matters, a purposeful life. And we have that same longing today too. Guys, it would have been really, really easy for Jesus to have just answered frankly on their question, right? It would have been really easy for him to talk about the kingdom of God and heaven. He's done it before. Um, So I think we have to look into that and go, why didn't he answer frankly? Why did he answer in the way that he did? And why is that important? What is that teaching us? And more specifically, what does that teach us about God's heart and God's heart for us? What can we learn about God? And so if we look at the second half of the text, we see that in verse 10, Jesus says that the Father is doing his work through Jesus, right? So we know that Jesus answers in the way that he does Because God cared to meet the disciples exactly where they were. He cared to meet them in their deep longing, in the deepest need that they had right then and there, even if they weren't fully aware of that need. He cared to meet them right where they were, and he cares to meet us right where we are. This is true about us today. God cares about our longing, and he cares about our deep need and desire for a meaningful life. Why? Well, it's because God designed us like that. He designed us to want that meaning, meaning, and that's because he designed us in his image. The God who created everything that we see, everything that we experience, all meaning in the world, all the best of that, the things that we get to experience in this life, created us in his image. It's no wonder we crave a meaningful life, right? We were literally made for it. So just like the disciples, we want this meaningful life. And just like the disciples, we want to know the right way to go. Um, We want to know that we're on the right track. We don't like being lost, right? Nobody likes to wander in the dark, literally or figuratively. Um, And we want to just make sure that we are going in the right direction. But uh, again, just like the disciples, even when we are following what we feel like is the right direction, We get presented with a lot of opportunities where we have questions and we have hard situations and we want satisfactory answers to those things. In short, really, we want to know the truth, right? And we want to know 
that the things in our lives have a sense of purpose. We want to know that the relationships that we have and the things that we do are meaningful and that they're going to be lasting. We can see this evidenced in the fact that we as a culture often talk about legacy, right? We talk about the legacy that people have left in history, um, good or bad. Um, we talk about the legacies that we want to leave. Um, we talk about what people might say about us at our funerals one day. We want to know that the life that we're building right now is lasting, and that's because we want a meaningful life right now. When we wake up and we live our day-to-day, um, every moment that we breathe, we want that to be meaningful, but we also want to know that it's eternally meaningful. We want it to last, and we want to know that our lives and our eternal lives are secured. But Hope Family, man, don't we often feel directionless or confused or tired, disoriented, joyless, unsatisfied? Pick your adjective, right? We feel all of those things. And even at our best of times, we know that the things that bring us joy or happiness or make us fulfilled, they're pretty fleeting, right? We need more and more of them. Those feelings of satisfaction go away um, eventually. They're just never enough. And it reminds me of a C.S. Lewis quote where he uh, once said, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. And that's what Jesus reveals to the disciples and to us in this text that we were made for another world. We were made for eternal life and heaven. And to use the words in the text, we were made to be in the Father's house with him for all of eternity. And we were also made in a way that the only way that we get there is through Jesus. So it's actually really good news that Jesus didn't answer in the way that the disciples wanted, right? It's really good news that he answered in the way that he did by telling us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And that's because it's God's answer to our desire and our longing for a meaningful life. And when we think about a meaningful life, I think there's really those two components that we want to come together to inform what a truly meaningful life is. Again, we want to know that the things that we're doing right now in our day-to-day are meaningful, but we also want to know that eternity matters. Um, and we want to know what happens to us after our death, right? These are just common, normal questions that we all ask. And so today we're going to look at how Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life impacts our eternity and our lives right now. So let's start with the end in mind, and let's talk about how this truth changes our eternity. So Jesus starts the text again, right, by saying that he's preparing uh, rooms in the Father's house and that there's plenty of rooms there. But then again, he says the only way to get there is through him and get to the Father. And that the Father is speaking and doing his work through Jesus to reveal his heart to the world. So what does this text show us about God's heart? What is he trying to reveal to us? Well, the text shows us that God is generous. He is generous with his invitation to come to the Father's house. That's what he means when he says that there are many rooms. In fact, There's enough room for everybody. But also, we learn that he is generous enough and wise enough to know that there is a cost to come to the Father's house. And that cost is really high. In fact, 
God knows that the cost is far greater than anything that we could pay ourselves. It would be impossible for us to pay our room and board to live in the Father's house with him. And he knows that. But God wants us there with him. And so he's generous enough to pay the cost himself. And he pays the cost by sending his son to put on flesh, to live among us, and to die the death that we deserve to make a way for us to go to the Father's house. Many people think that the statement that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, is a really narrow-minded claim about eternal life. We hear that a lot, right? That it's pretty exclusive. But it's in fact the opposite. You see, it's God's generosity that prompted him to send his son to both make a way for eternal life, but also to become the way for eternal life. And that means that since Jesus being the way is the way to eternal life, it is such good news for us because it means that eternal life is not based on anything that we could do to get there. It means that it's not about what we can earn. It's not about what we can attain or how we could attain eternal life. And in fact, when we attempt to do so, when we try to earn our way into the Father's house, earn our way into eternal life, it means that we have misunderstood that Jesus is the only way to get there. It's God's generosity and his love for us that prompted him to secure eternal life in his kingdom. So the pressure of eternity is off. The door is open. This is really good news And Jesus being the way is actually then the most generous and inclusive ways to eternal life. So we know that being in a relationship with Christ is that way to eternal life, right? It's in the midst of the relationship itself, but it's also through the relationship. And this relationship changes eternity, right? That's what we're talking about. But it also changes the meaning of our lives right now. How exactly? Well, Jesus is kind enough to reveal that to us too, but in a different passage. So in Matthew 6, Jesus teaches the disciples how to pray. And this prayer uh, has become a pretty um, well-known prayer as well. It's what we call the Lord's Prayer. In the beginning, when Jesus is praying this, this is what he says. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus going to prepare a room in the Father's house and come back, that was Jesus bringing heaven to us. Jesus was bringing heaven to us. Now, we could not have bridged the gap upwards ourselves. Um, No way could we have done it. So Jesus became the way to bring God's kingdom on earth to us. And because eternal life is secured, right, We are now invited and freed up to partner with Jesus to do what he prayed. To bring God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. This is where we find a meaningful life now. And that invitation to bring God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven gives us direction, right? It gives us an understanding on how to spend our lives and what's meaningful and what's lasting. Bringing God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, it changes and informs our worldview, but it also changes how we do our everyday ordinary things. It changes the way that you parent your kids. It means that you view parenting as discipleship, 
as an opportunity to teach your kids that God loves them and teach them how to be in a relationship with God. It also means that you hope and you pray that one day your son or your daughter will be your brother or sister in Christ. It changes how we view parenting. It changes how we work. Culture tells us, right, that work is a means to an end or a necessary evil that we need to do. But relationship with Christ tells us that it's the opposite, that, again, we were created to work. Why? Because we were made, again, in the image of a creator. We were made in the image of a creator who takes raw materials and orders them in a certain way so that we can flourish, right? We do the same thing in our work. We take our materials, whether that is an Excel spreadsheet or a block of wood, we order it in a certain way so that other people can flourish. It also means that we don't have to work and fight and claw for affirmation or praise or glory in this life for our work. Instead, we are freed up to serve the people that we work alongside. We're freed up to do really excellent and good work because it honors God and it serves his people. It changes the way that we think about money and our time. Because of God's generosity to us in Christ, all of our needs have been met already. And so it's no, no longer about giving the bare minimum or checking off a box or having to do these certain things in order to be a good person, but instead we recognize that we are stewarding God's money and we are caring for his people all of this is his, all of our lives. And so we give our time and our money and our relationships and our love generously, even when it hurts, because we know that all of our needs have been met in Christ, and he is faithful, and he will continue to be faithful to, pro to provide. In short, being in a relationship with Jesus changes everything. It makes us hope for eternity while still seeing the meaning and beauty of life right now. On the one side of the spectrum, it means that the best and most beautiful parts of our lives right now are just glimpses of glory and glimpses of beauty and glimpses of meaning that we will find in eternal life with God. They're foretastes of heaven. And on the other side, in the darkest of seasons in this life, we can still have hope and still find meaning in everything, even in the hardest of situations. That feels a lot like the season we've been in right now, right? Where it feels like we have heartbreaking situation after heartbreaking situation, overwhelming our personal lives, our news stories, our world. It's inescapable. It feels like we just keep getting pounded by it, right? It means that even in those circumstances and situations, we can have hope because God has promised to wipe away every single tear and redeem every single thing. Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life gives meanings to the joys and the sorrows. It points us to the meaningful life to come, and that's to say that all the ways that we see joy and beauty and redemption on this earth look like drops in the ocean in comparison to the indescribable joy and beauty and meaning that we will one day taste in heaven with Jesus in eternal life with him. And all the ways that we see injustice and death and suffering will one day be no more. There will be justice, there will be freedom, and there will be life abundant 
when Jesus returns and when we are with him with eternal life forever. And this is the work of getting to partner with God to bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. It means knowing his will and his heart for us and knowing that one day we will experience all of these things in the fullness in which we were created to experience them. But right now, we get the joy and we get the joy of a meaningful life through partnering with God to cultivate these glimpses and foretastes in our world right now, in the highest of highs and in the lowest of lows, and in the everyday, ordinary things in between. Everything now has meaning because of God. And it's all a cycle, right? And it all points back to what God is doing to show us and reveal himself through Christ. Because Jesus came down from heaven and is the way and the truth and the life and became that way, he freed us up to cultivate this life and this meaningful life we long for here. And this meaningful life we long for here points us back up to the beauty and meaning that, again, we will one day taste in heaven. And it mirrors Christ, right? He is up in heaven, and he comes down to live among us, to die on the cross, to secure a relationship with God uninhibited for us. And he rose again from that death on the cross and ascended into heaven, and he promises to one day come back again and renew all things. So just like Jesus said to the disciples, we need not let our hearts be troubled. Simply believe in God and believe also in Jesus. He will show us the way to a meaningful life. He has done so, and he will do it again. So now I'm going to invite the worship team up, and we're going to do a time of contemplation. I want to give us time to consider Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. So as you came in and you sat down on these chairs, there was a little card on there, a prayer card. I want us to spend some time contemplating and asking God to make our hearts and our eyes more open to the meaningful life that he's offering to us and to show us the way. So with that card, and for those of you watching online, we'd love for you to still engage in this process with us and feel free to um, message how we can pray for you, but on the card it asks how we can pray for you. If you feel comfortable, feel free to write your name on there as well. Um, down at the bottom of the card. But I'm going to guide us through this, and we would love if you can write how we can pray for you, because as a church, we want to be praying for you. We want to partner with God on bringing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven through everything, and that includes prayer. And so we'll have a bin in the back um, with the team that you passed on the way in. There'll be a little box that you can put that card in. But I'm going to guide us in asking God to show us the way to this meaningful life that he's offered us. So as we close and as you contemplate, I want to remind us of how this scripture started. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in Jesus. We need not wait another moment for this meaningful life that we've been offered in Christ. The Father has many rooms in his house. And because Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, there's room in the Father's house for you. There is meaningful life offered to you. Right now and for all of eternity. 
So let not your hearts be troubled. There is room in the Father's house for you if you are new. There is room in the Father's house for you if you are asking questions or if you have doubts. There is room in the Father's house for you if you are coming back to your faith right now after a time away. There is room in the Father's house for you if you are ashamed or anxious. There is room in the Father's house for you if you are lost or directionless. There is room in the Father's house for you if you are tired or if you are hurting. There is room in the Father's house for you if you are lonely. There is room in the Father's house for you if you are angry and even if you are angry at God himself. There is room in the Father's house for you if you are apathetic. Jesus is the way there. He's the way to the Father's house. And I pray that this truth would be sweet to your soul this morning. That it would be sweet to any wounds of the heart that you have right now. I pray that you would let it lift any weight or burden that you are carrying with you right now. God has made a way for you through Christ to come to his house. And he promises to journey with you every single step of the way. I'm going to close us in prayer. And feel free to still be contemplating on that card um, and praying and asking that God would show you the way. Father, we thank you for your generous heart and your spirit. We thank you that you love us so much that you were compelled to make a way for us to come live with you in your house. Thank you for the invitation, and thank you for making a way where there was no way for us to do it. God, you know our longings because you knit us together. You made us in your image, and you know each of us so personally and uniquely. You know where we have common longings, and you know where they differ and you desire to meet every single one of them right where we are, and you desire to meet them in and through Christ. God, in many ways, we feel scared to offer that longing to you. So I pray that you would help us to do so, that you would help us to lay burdens down and longings down before you, knowing that you are good and you are faithful.
God, I pray that you would open up our hearts to where you are leading us to have a meaningful life now and how you desire us to be with you for all eternity. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you that it is simply through Jesus and nothing else. What a gift that is. Help us to come and be before you. You are faithful and you will do it. We pray all of these things in your holy name, God. Amen.